Turn to Luke chapter 2. Last week we were in Luke chapter 3. Uh, this week we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. It comes right before Luke chapter 3, right after Luke chapter 1. I'm hoping that we're making this simple enough for you, okay? Because uh, I like to think simply, uh, teach as simple as I can, and hopefully at some point uh, I will understand what I'm teaching. And there are a lot of pins up here. I'm going to throw them on the ground. All right. Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 8 together, and we're going to talk about the shepherds. Um, and I think some of you already know this story. I'm looking around and just uh, uh, looking at your faces. I think most of you are going to know this story. If you didn't already know it from Sunday school or from youth group or from the, uh, the 93 Christmases that you've already experienced in this, on this world, uh, uh, this won't be anything new to you. We're going to talk about Joy. Uh, many of you know her. She's in your family, and uh, you, you see her every family reunion. We have a, a, a lady in our family. She's a great aunt of mine. Her name is LaJoy. And I don't know if that's Spanish or not. I'm not real familiar, but uh, but we call her Joy anyways to shorten it because it makes uh, it makes more sense to us. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk about Joy this morning, and Joy comes in a variety of different things. Some of you experience Joy uh, at meals when you eat your favorite meal. Some of you experience Joy uh, when your wife uh, cooks a, a German chocolate cake for her own birthday, even though it's not even her her cake, but it's for me, uh, and we celebrate. And I just find Joy in that it's cool. German chocolate cake at our house. Here's Here's a, a great thing. There are six people in our home, and there's only one person that likes German chocolate cake. And so it's awesome. You get to eat the whole cake by yourself. It's so, so uh, selfish of me, but so selfish of my wife to make that for me. So appreciate that and find joy in that. Some of you find joy. I saw, uh, I saw some boys just a few weeks ago uh, celebrating a kill on a turkey, a harvest of a turkey right before Thanksgiving, and they were jumping up and down, chest bumping, uh, pumping their fists, you know, just real joy uh, and seeing uh, turkey in the wild and you experience it different different ways. Some of you saw joy uh, when a child came into the world or maybe at your wedding or maybe when someone graduated, you were like, finally, they graduated college. They're off my insurance. They're out of my house. I'm experiencing true, true joy. Uh, some of you wives just experienced joy when your husband did the dishes Thanksgiving. Wasn't that just a joyous moment when you looked over and saw him not knowing what he was doing at all uh, but trying to wash the dishes and you're like, man, this just brings me, this brings me great joy. Great joy. In those moments that we talk about there that bring us joy, I'm wondering if they're not really, if, if we have a, a kind of a bad understanding of what true biblical joy actually is. Most of those things are making us happy and they're, they're playing with our feelings a little bit and we're saying, man, those joyous moments, uh, they're not really true joyous moments. They're not a lasting joy. They're a momentary joy, something that's just giving me a happiness for a moment, uh, like a cold Dr. Pepper or a warm uh, beverage like coffee or something just for a moment and then it fades and goes goes away and we are still lacking in that we're still saying well what's next uh, what will bring me joy next i'm going through suffering maybe uh, the bible says that joy comes in the morning when when will that when will that morning actually arrive when will i truly experience experience joy and so we catch up with these um, these shepherds in the Christmas story uh, where they're told about joy that's coming their way. And I think that uh, in our world today, we're in need of seeing and, and feeling and experiencing true joy. As, as followers of Jesus, if you are one, you're in need of representing what where true joy comes from. 
Where do you experience biblical or true everlasting joy? Where does that come from and how can I share that with others? Uh, in the midst of fear, in the midst of suffering, or the midst of trials, when we're saying we can count this as pure joy, and people look at us and say, why is that? Why, why do you have joy even uh, despite what's going on in your life? How is it that you still have that you still have joy. And then even maybe even a, a moment of this like uh, you have just an overwhelming peace about you. You have peace and joy and I don't understand what's going on in this in this case. And you get to say, you get to point them and say, it is only because of my Savior, my Lord Jesus, that I can that I can have this true joy in this moment. So verse 8 says this of chapter 2 of Luke. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Why were they in the field? Because that's where they work. They're shepherds, right? It's pretty simple. This is a simple story. Shepherds in the field, working, uh, watching. What does it say? It says, keeping watch over their flock by night. All right? So they're out there doing their job, normal guys, doing normal things, normal shepherds, doing normal shepherd things, keeping watch over their flock. And verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Have you had that moment where you've been filled with fear? <laughs> For me, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the dark of night, and you're out in the woods, and you unzip the tent, and you go out, and, and you're, uh, or you're out of the cabin, and you're standing there, and you know, I'm not going to go into all details of what's going on, but you, but you think you're confident, and you're a man, and then you start having these thoughts, and like, is there someone else out here with me? Is there a bear? Uh, is there something around that tree and I can't see it? And then all of a sudden you're just overwhelmed with fear and you say, where, where can I find comfort? Where can I find peace? Where can I have, like, instead of fear, where can I have joy? And you look back at the tent or the truck or the cabin and you run as fast as you can as a 30-something-year-old person and you run as fast as you can and you say, oh, finally the safety, the security, the comfort, a fear is gone and joy is in this moment because uh, no longer am I afraid. This is what's happening here with these shepherds. Uh, this great moment's happening, and though they should be filled with the glory of the Lord, uh, they should be filled with joy and everlasting joy. They should they should be comforted and at peace. Instead, they're experiencing fear. And so, a messenger of God, an angel, said to them, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all." The people. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing this messenger of the Lord appearing to these shepherds uh, during their normal life. Uh, they're afraid, and the she and the angel is telling the messenger of the Lord is telling the shepherds that despite your fear, you can have joy in this moment. Despite everything else that's going on, all your emotions, in this moment you can have joy. How can you have joy? How can you experience joy in the midst of fear? Well, it says this, good news of great joy that will be for all people. For what happened? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. <laughs> Simply stated this morning, we could end right here. There would be no flocking towards the front in an invitation like old school. There would be no great revival probably. But we could end here by saying joy only comes when we recognize Christ the Lord. I mean, that's bottom line. You'll never experience joy in anything else. All people will never experience joy in anything else until they recognize that Christ is the Lord, that he's ruler, that he's king, that he's Lord over all. When we experience that, when we know that, and we have a firm foundation in that, and we lean in towards that and give our life towards that, then and only then will we have 
control of, we'll call it, uh, eternal joy. We'll have it. We'll, we'll experience it. It'll be ours because we recognize who Christ is. So what's the good news? The good news is this. The good news is that Christ has been born. The Christ has been born. We've talked about this already. He is the Lord, and He is for all people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for all nations. Christ is coming. The Lord is coming uh, so that all the world uh, can have Christ as Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and, a, and lying in a, a manger. They're familiar with this. They're familiar with a the manger. They've seen this. Maybe they fed sheep out of it. And suddenly there was with, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Interesting. I mean, they have fear. But in the midst of this fear, the messenger of God saying, not only will you have joy, not only will all the world have joy, but you will also have peace. And all this comes up wrapped, all of this comes wrapped up in Jesus, the Christ, the Lord of all. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So immediately they say, you know what? Will, will we have joy here? No, we'll, we'll probably continue to have fear in the night here with our flock. But instead, let's go. Let's go to where the Savior is. Let's go to where the Lord is. And let's, let's meet Him. Let's be with Him. <laughs> Verse 18, or 16 says this, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told of them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. So how can they have this peace in the midst, and this joy in the midst of fear. Well, that's an interesting word, this Greek word joy. It really means to lead, lean towards or have an awareness of God's grace or his favor on you. So in the midst of this fearful time, in the midst of this normal life even, the shepherds were brought to joy because they had an awareness of God's grace, an awareness of God's favor upon their life. I mean, it's basically saying we can fear not because we are aware of God's grace. So, so joy is the opposite of fear because we have an awareness of God's grace, of his favor upon us. We have an awareness of him coming down to this broken world, him coming into this sinful world, uh, making himself available to the world, uh, making salvation available to the world, making peace available to the world, an everlasting peace, a peace that's forever, and all this is wrapped up in Jesus. And then an understanding of that this is not just for the chosen people, but it's, it, but it's also for the people who smelled, who smelled good, who smelled bad, who dressed good or dressed well and dressed bad, who knew the correct words to say and the incorrect words to say. I mean, this, this Christ, the Savior, was coming for everyone, and the shepherds rejoiced in that. Maybe they were even coming for the smart or the ignorant, or maybe for the reverent or the irreverent. They understood that Jesus was coming to save all. And no longer were they going to let fear control them, but instead they're going to have joy, an everlasting joy, a joy that comes from God because of an awareness of His grace. 
Here's what I think that happens, though, <clears throat> in, most, in most conversations that I have, most people that I know, uh, things that I've read, things that I see on TV, uh, things that I hear in songs. Uh, we feel like joy can be commanded. We, th- we think that we're going to command joy. We're going to have joy when we want it. Uh, you know what? I want joy now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it uh, happen. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I'm going to drink what I want to drink. I'm going to enjoy what I want to enjoy. I'm going to go find some entertainment that's going to bring me joy. You've had that moment, right? Maybe a depressing day. Uh, maybe you've had some uh, really terrible news and, and you're faced with some kind of uh, form of anxiety and you say, well, how am I going to uh, fight over this anxiety? How am I going to fight this depression? How am I going to fight this terrible news? And what have you turned to? Have you turned to Jesus, the Lord over all, even this suffering moment? Or have you turned to something upon this world? And you begin to command it, saying, I want this thing to bring me joy in this moment. I mean, think about the word joy for a second, J-O-Y. I mean, we even, we even relate this in our theology of God. We even say, you know what, I want joy and I want it now, you know, like as, as fast as I can have it. We, we think that joy really means something like Jesus obeys you. Like if, if I tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, this is what I want. This is where joy is going to come from. When you start listening to me, Jesus, and doing what I'm asking you to do, then I will experience true joy. And the Bible is the opposite of that. Instead of you telling Jesus what to do and Jesus obeying you, it's the opposite of that. It's you obeying Jesus. And then when we do that, then we find eternal, forever joy. It's not us commanding Jesus and telling Jesus, hey, will you now give me joy? But instead it's us recognizing who he is, recognizing his goodness, his foreverness, uh, the fact that he's been around since we can't even imagine how long he's been around. And in that we find joy in him and him alone. These shepherds experience that. They saw this messenger from God and said, this messenger is from God. And he's telling the truth. Let's go find this baby, this Savior, Christ the Lord. And they went and they found him. And they rejoiced in this finding of the baby. And what happened? Verse 20 again. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. To them. They found joy. They rejoiced in that because they saw Christ the Lord. They saw Christ the Lord for who he is. They, they recognized uh, what had been prophesied about him, what had been told to them from messengers before, and they worshiped God, glorifying him and him alone. Turn to Psalm 126. <laughs> Psalm 126, we're going to work through this together as we end this morning, recognizing that joy only comes from Jesus. You know, it's interesting, I think, that the shepherds, when they left there, on their way home, on their way back to their field, their way back to work, their way back to normal life, we don't find their conversation. It's not recorded anyways. We're kind of reading into this. Uh, Luke records that they, they were glorifying God, praising God because of what they had seen, what they had heard. And I wonder if they were praising God for the tidy little manger scene. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, they're, they're walking away as shepherds with their staff. They're walking away saying, man, wasn't that little manger scene incredible? 
Wasn't it cool how things were put in place? Everything was so neat and nice. Like, remember that how that hay was just perfectly put in the manger, and that little baby was just angelic, right? They're just, oh, and the lights were hitting perfectly, and everything was arranged properly. There were poinsettias all around it, and it was just, oh, it was just mesmerizing. I mean, that's what the shepherds were doing, right? They were walking by saying, man, this is incredible. This manger scene was incredible. Did you, did you see the barn? I mean, they turned it into a barn. It was really a cave, but they turned it into this. I mean, that's that's genius. How come we didn't think of that? Why didn't we turn the caves we've seen into a barn? Why have we just been laying on the, the ground? I mean, maybe, and I know this is incorrect, but, but what if they even were there when the wise men were there? And they walked away saying, good grief. Did you see those presents that they left? Did you see the gold? Did you see the frankincense? Did you see that other thing that smelled really good? I mean, did you see those things? And they walked away saying, man, the manger scene was incredible. The flowers were awesome. The hay, I wish we had that hay. The presents, good grief, those guys were so smart. They're wise for bringing those presents. They walk away feeling sorry for themselves. Man, we're just a bunch of shepherds. Who are we? I mean, there's wise guys that showed up there. And here we are, shepherds, going back to tend to a flock. It's interesting. We don't see that. Luke doesn't record those things for us. Instead, we re- Luke records for us that the shepherds went back praising and glorifying the Father, rejoicing in God's truth and his words. I think this happened. They rejoiced because they understood that Christ, the Lord, would be the good shepherd, that he would lead them beside still waters. That though they walk, they may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they would fear no evil. Because the Lord, their God, would be with them. They were even thinking, holding the rod and the staff. His rod and the staff would find, I would find comfort in it. They would see the goodness, they would see that goodness and mercy would follow them all the days of their life. Not because of them, or anything that they've done or would do or could do, or could command, or come up with, but because Christ is the Lord, the greatest shepherd of them all. And in that they found comfort, and in that they found joy, and they rejoiced in that because God is good, because Christ is Lord, and they found joy in that. Psalm 126 starts out this way in verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Verse 2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. With laughter. You had that moment? You know somebody has a contagious laugh? Somebody that begins laughing, and you're like, man, that guy or that girl, they start laughing, and everybody around them starts laughing. Just a, a couple of a couple of weeks ago, uh, hanging out with some guys elk hunting, there was a gentleman on our trip that he had that contagious laugh. And when he started laughing, everyone begins to laugh. Their, their mouth was filled with laughter. You think about this time of year, some of you are experiencing loneliness, depression, anxiety. Some of you say, you know what, Christmas go away, holidays go away, quit talking about love and joy and peace and all that because I'm not experiencing that. And some of you in need of Christ the Lord coming into your life, changing your heart and filling your mouth even with laughter. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. When was the last time you shouted for joy? Not over the, the Red Sox winning or the Rangers losing. Not over the Cowboys being in first place. Not over a Sherman chocolate cake or whatever it may be. But when's the last time you, sh- you truly shouted with joy because of the grace of God, because of his mercy, because of his goodness following you all the days of your life? Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. 
Then they said among the nations, not just among each other in a closed room, but among the nations. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Will the world ever change if the people who belong to God aren't filled with joy and laughter? Will the people of this world ever see the hope in Christ when we're stuck on things that aren't hopeful anymore? When we start uh, dwelling upon things of this world instead of dwelling upon our eternal King? They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of in the Negev. The Negev is like an arroyo, arroyo dry, drought-filled instead of water-filled, in need of replenishing. And God comes and he fills the arroyo, this, this draw, this empty, dry, drought-stricken place, and he fills it with his, with his joy, with his uh, living water. He fills it with himself. And then this is what happens. Verse 5. Those who sow in tears, those who are planting in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Think about the shepherds in the field. They know this. They've heard this psalm before, and they're out there in the fields. They know about sowing and, and reaping. They know about the need for, for water and for life. They know that their, their, their flock is in need of these things. And when will they experience true joy? When will they have hope everlasting? And Christ, the Lord, shows up on the scene, and they begin to rejoice and shout with joy. Verse 6 says this, He who goes out weeping, Bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So interesting. It's just interesting here. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. When the shepherds left the manger scene, and they're going home shouting, rejoicing, having joy and glorifying the Father. What is it that they're taking back with them? Did one of them sneak myrrh back with them? Did one of them grab the frankincense and say, here's my a bundle of sheave, my, my bundle that I'm carrying back with me. I'm so happy with the things that I've picked up from that manger scene. Are they rejoicing over who Christ is? Christ the Lord. Of how God has been faithful to them. One author says this, a common but futile strategy for achieving joy is trying to eliminate things that hurt. To get rid of pain by numbing the nerve ends. Get rid of insecurity by eliminating risk. Get rid of disappointment by depersonalizing your relationships. And then try to lighten the boredom of such a life by buying joy in the form of vacations and entertainment. Trying to experience true joy upon this earth. Expecting that these things, vacations, entertainment, food, friendships, whatever it may be, thinking that these things are going to give us the joy that only comes from Christ. Paul, Paul doesn't say it this way. He says joy can still come in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of fear. That we can experience, uh, even in the midst of all our fear and all our suffering, we can still experience joy from Christ. But we must reframe life. We must lean towards grace and be satisfied in Jesus. Paul says it this way. Rejoice in the Lord again. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God and the peace of God 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? What's like a, just an app, uh, this real life application? Paul says this, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As the shepherds are going back to their normal life, what is it they're thinking about? Again, is it the lovely manger scene, or are they thinking about Christ the Lord? And in your life today, you want to find real, eternal joy? You must place your thoughts and your life upon the Savior Jesus. Another author says this, joy is nurtured by anticipation. If the joy-producing acts of God are characteristic of our past as God's people, they will also be characteristic of our future as his people. There is no reason to suppose that God will arbitrarily change his way of working with us. What we have known of him, we will know of him. Just as joy builds on the past, it borrows from the future. It expects certain things to happen. As the shepherds are returning to normal life, it's just a normal Monday, shepherding a normal uh, flock of sheep. They still have the anticipation of joy that only comes from God the Father, through Christ the Son. They have this anticipation, this expectation that what, how God has acted in the past, He will continue to act in the future. And so we can trust in Him and we can find joy in Him and Him alone. We can have peace in Him and Him alone. Back to Psalm 126, verse 6. Again, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Shouts of joy. I think for a moment... Some of you are asking, some of you already asked this, what is a sheave? Or what are sheaves? It's a bundle of grain stalks tied together after reaping or a harvest. You, you, you see the harvester holding this bundle, or the bundles out in the field, and they're bringing it home, rejoicing over what they have. Look at the spoils of, of farming. Look what I have. Look, I've been reaping uh, tears, but look what, I've, look what I've gained so much. And I wonder today, in your life this morning, what is it that you're rejoicing over, that you're holding on to, that you don't want to let go of, but you're rejoicing, rejoicing over saying, this bundle that I have is great, and as long as I have this, I find comfort in it. As long as I have this, I'm experiencing joy, but as soon as this is removed, I don't even know what to do. I act like a three-year-old taking away a, a piece of uh, chocolate. I don't know what to do anymore. I, and I wonder if inside this bundle that you have your arms around, If it's full of worldly things and not Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, he says, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on the foundation 
with gold or silver or precious stones or wood or hay or straw. Each one's work will become manifest for the day. We'll disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This bundle that we're holding on to that we think will give us joy. If it's not Christ and the things that Christ has commanded us to, to be about or living for, those things will not last forever. But if the things that you're holding on to are Christ and your theology is good and you don't have a, a false expectation of what uh, this world is supposed to be about, but instead you have your arms wrapped around Christ and what he's done for you and what he's doing, what he's going to do, then those things... Those things will be a reward. Those things will survive the fire, the test. Those things will be something to treasure and truly treasure for all. Paul says also in Philippians, uh, just this, uh, this worldly thing of where we're going to receive joy from this. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, but whatever I gained, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Rubbish. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. When those shepherds were walking away, rejoicing, glorifying the Father, their arms were full of their Savior. They understood everything, to, everything that had been promised that came true in Jesus. He fulfilled everything. And so my, my heart can rejoice in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Everything that I gained to this point, I say it's rubbish. I count it as loss knowing the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus. When will you have joy? When will you truly have eternal, everlasting joy? Only when we recognize Christ is it. Again, the shepherds, they didn't rejoice and find joy in the tidy little barn and the manger scene. They didn't find joy in presents left at the baby's bed, but instead they rejoiced because they understood that Christ would be the good shepherd that he would lead them beside still waters. That though they may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they would fear no evil. Why? Because their God, their Lord Jesus, would be with them. His rod and his staff, would find, they would find comfort in it. They would see the goodness and mercy would follow them all the days of their life. Not because of them or anything they could do or command, but all because of Jesus, the greatest shepherd of them all. So this morning, my invitation to you is this. Find joy in Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for being Emmanuel, God with us, for seeing our desperation, for seeing our lives as drought-stricken and need of living water, for seeing us carrying around bundles of worthless things that won't amount to anything ever, seeing our desperate state seeing us in need of rescuing and coming to this earth and being willing to be broken and be a sacrifice all because of your love and grace for us. God, help us to find joy not in our feelings, not in our stuff, but help us to find joy in you and you alone. God, change our attitudes, our hearts, our thoughts, so that we're in line with you and you alone. God, as a church, as a group of saints, 
gathered together. Let us worship and be glorifying you because of you and your Son. As your Holy Spirit works in us and among us, God, help us to be known as a group of people uh, being changed by you, being loved by you, uh, being led by you. And then in turn, let others see that and glorify you and you alone. God, help us no longer to find joy in the rubbish of the world, but instead help us to find joy in our redeeming Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.